Welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lapique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Advice Worth Keeping. In this podcast, we're going to continue the discussion around some recent research that KPMG conducted on the state of the real estate and facilities management, or REFM, outsourcing market. This is the second in the two-part podcast series. Associated with this podcast are a series of deliverables and visuals, which will help you understand the research. If you're logging into this podcast via the Advice Worth Keeping site, you'll see a link to that. If you're accessing this podcast via another source, you can go to kpmg.com slash us slash podcasts, and from there, you'll be able to find the slides. In the first conversation, we focused on macro trends and their effect on the demand for traditional outsourcing and shared services in the REFM space, the impact of intelligent automation, predictive analytics, and other advanced technologies on the REFM landscape and other key REFM market characteristics. In this second podcast, we'll continue the discussion focusing on specific industry trends that are driving REFM outsourcing demand, how organizations are creating the workplace of the future, future trends in outsourcing, particularly around information technology, and some of the challenges we see organizations have relative to REFM outsourcing, and more important, what are some of the ways they can address those challenges and in particular develop or improve upon a good governance model. So welcome back, Patrice, Doug, and Clinton, and thank you for continuing the discussion here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Collectively, for the three of you, are there specific industry trends that are driving REF demand? So the top industries that are driving outsourcing have the greatest demand are pharma, biotech, healthcare, and banking and financial services. And the interesting thing about all three of those is they're highly regulated. They're regulated in different ways. Pharma by the FDA and other agencies, healthcare by the CMS and the Joint Commission, banking by the SEC and other financial organizations. But they're highly regulated. They have a clear core mission, and they know that real estate is not part of that core mission. So they're willing to outsource it. I do think one interesting difference between those industries is pharma and with banking, the use of the building is very single service for them. And so in pharma, you're going to have building or manufacturing just as manufacturing, or it does R&D, or it does office work. In banking, it's mostly office work, or you're going to have retail, or you're going to have database or client work. But it's all a single client service. Healthcare is complex. I do think it's a little bit different because in a hospital or in a healthcare service building, you've got a variety of services that are core that are coming into the patient room, nurses, doctors, orderlies, specialists, food service, and the rooms are intensively used. Even on a floor, they can have labs, they can have different types of nurses stations, doctor stations, variety of testing stations. And then in a building, they're going to have, again, a variety of services that are all core. I think in healthcare, the difference is they already have so many services in those buildings. The use is intense, and their focus on core, it's complexity, really. They'd rather just give the management of facility services over to another company because they've already got a big enough bundle of services to manage themselves. 
as opposed to banking and pharma, where they're more specialists. They want to save more money compared to healthcare, and they want to focus on core, but it's just so complex in healthcare compared to the other two. So if you look at functional areas in RESM outsourcing, the leader, the number one area that the process is facilities management, and then followed by space management, IT systems, and reporting and facility services. The reason, in my opinion, facilities management is the number one area of increasing demand, meaning more clients are looking for this service compared to basic maintenance and janitorial and the basic services is they've already outsourced the building maintenance. They've already outsourced janitorial. And so facilities management is the whole building management approach where it's integrated. They can manage all the services together and get that additional efficiency. Once you've already done the basics, the next thing is to go up the value chain and outsource the management of those services. And I think that's why it's growing so much because they've already done the basics. And they are including space management in that. And space management has a bigger impact on the bottom line than outsourcing a lot of services because if you use less space, costs go down. It's very straightforward. You can cut 10% off janitorial or 5 or 10, 15% off building maintenance. But if you cut space, you cut 100% of those costs. And then also with space management, an interesting thing about that is that there's also a push to actually create more of the workplace of the future, making more conducive workspace to attract talent. So that's also one of those areas that we see an increase where the client demand is looking more for the service provider to come in and actually bring that expertise to help make their workplace more attractive. In terms of IT systems, where does that fit some of the demand you're seeing relative to REFM outsourcing? We ask questions specifically about IT systems. And in REFM, it's an interesting dichotomy, I find, because you've got the service providers who are increasing their capabilities. They are buying technology companies. They are investing in data analytics and, in some cases, automation. So they have data scientists. And some large companies are really investing this. They're doing a great job. On the other side, we hear from our clients that their first choice is going to be their internal company manages it for them and provides those services. And so the outsource provider is competing with the internal IT organization and the internal IT organization is failing because they can't get the data they're looking for in our survey. You know, 68% are looking for cost data out of their IT system for REFM, 68% for performance reporting and 47% for business intelligence. And so the company IT orgs are saying, we want to provide this for you. We want to control the data. We want to add it to our data lake where they have deep pools of data, but they're not providing the service. And so the head of real estate will say, if you can't give me the services I'm looking for out of IT, they'll go to the service providers who have the capability. They're already providing the service. They're already entering the data and they really are doing a good job at it. And one of the things that I've definitely seen with the IT reporting function is clients are really demanding real-time reporting. And so this is one of those areas that, as I see with my personal clients, they're coming to me and asking for ways to improve the performance of reporting. These results here do not surprise me when I compare it to my current client experience. What are some of the key challenges as well as drivers that organizations face relative to real estate and facilities management outsourcing. We've talked about some of the benefits, but what are some of the proverbial brass tacks of actually making this work? As we talked about, cost savings are a driver. Skill is a driver. Capability from the service providers is a driver. The interesting things we're finding from our survey, though, are from the 
buyer side, from the client side, governance, understanding the retained org, basically understanding how to manage your service provider and investing some time in that is a huge challenge that we've seen this year in the survey results. We've seen it last year and the year before. Once you move up the value chain to you're not just managing a service provider who is individually providing janitorial or building maintenance or landscaping or what have you, but you're managing a relationship and the service provider is managing all of those services. You just need to manage the relationship and your expectations, how you govern. And I still think that's a challenge for a lot of organizations. They think they're just managing a vendor and they're just asking for a specific service when really it's a long-term relationship that they should be managing. Yeah, and one of the sidebar to that is that within the governance organization of clients, they don't always understand how the role is also to manage the stakeholders and not just manage a contract to a vendor, but they're de facto the champion within the company of that partnership. And that's not always very well understood. Just an interesting story. When I'm advising a client on outsourcing and developing a new relationship and go to market, you can tell as a consultant who is going to be involved in the relationship from the client side after the deal is done. The people, the leaders in the client organization, if they're far thinking, if they're talking about two and three and four years from now and what the contractual agreement impact is going to be on the relationship, you can just tell that they're planning on being there. If they're just looking for dollars and they just want to get the deal done and be as tough on the provider as possible, they're probably not going to be around. It's an interesting tell when you're advising clients on outsourcing. And to that point as well, with that organization, that retained organization and governance, one of the key things that we also advise on the client is to ensure that there is absolutely a strong executive management support that comes from the top and that there is a continual push to have that support throughout the entire tenure of the contract. We also want to make sure is that when you're setting up the transition and setting up the governance structure is that there is really a real proper change management process put in place and it's implemented correctly. This is one of those challenges that we've seen that the service providers constantly cite as one of their challenges to setting up their organization within the client is definitely having a feeling of inadequate executive management support and inadequate change management support from the buyer side. You guys have hit upon some of the challenges faced with REM outsourcing. As we start to wrap up, what are the other key points you want to advise our listeners on? We also surveyed on how to better prepare for REF and outsourcing. We did see differences of opinions when it came to the buyers and the service providers, but we do definitely see that there, the common themes that we have when we advise our clients show up here. And really, one of the most important things is to have a firm understanding of your REFM baseline costs when you're going to market. And so it's really important to have that initial baseline and being able to provide that up front in order to create a better contract. It creates better savings predictions. And ultimately, it's one of those ways to set up a better agreement that you can govern to. Another thing that I would also recommend to our clients is to really focus on working together on a team. In many cases, there's still the service provider 
client mentality that they are the service provider, they do what we say. This is one of those areas that as the service provider is coming in, it's very important for a buyer to change the mindset that this is no longer just the service provider, but they're our strategic partner to come in and bring in their industry expertise. And we're, as a buyer, we're here to leverage their knowledge and their experience from other clients that they have to bring that value to our organization. Any other thoughts that you may have, Doug? Looking at the survey results, there was one question we asked about most important driver and from the service provider side, cost is the number one outsourced driver. From the buyer side, it's actually a blend of cost savings, service, capability. It's fairly even in the 30 40%, but the service providers are feeling cost is number one. When you ask about how do you put it all together and better prepare for REFM outsourcing, what Clinton just said about better baseline costs and working together as a team, and we spoke about governance and managing the service provider, it's not just what the service provider spends the money on, it's how the service provider is spending the money. And if the service provider can educate the buyer on how their money is being spent, I think there's going to be more alignment and more satisfaction with the relationship and maybe the client will be a little easier on the service provider because they know where the money is going and they know how it has an impact on service delivery, comfort of the occupants, service levels, and they can help make those decisions as opposed to just signing the check and saying, make it happen. Doug, do you think clients are getting better at taking that approach this year compared to last year, or is it still a work in progress? I'd say it's still a work in progress. I mean, you do have clients with experience, and they go through at least one generation of outsourcing, and they learn and they see the impact of how they manage the service provider, how the service provider manages their services, impacts their internal occupants. But it does take experience on the client side to learn that governance, working as a team is important compared to just a contract and it's just a price. Okay. So there's still some work to be done. One of the things that we also want to highlight is when it comes to the buyer and the retained organization, for an REFM outsourcing agreement, typically the tenure is three to five years. We advise our clients to really look for the long term. And it's very important that the retained organization has that long-term outlook from the transition and all the way through the second, third, fourth, fifth year of the contract. So it's really important to have that consistency with the client, to have that retained knowledge. And more important, it's also very important that the client understands that it's These people who are in the retained organization also need training. They also need to continue to build their skills and be on the same level as the service provider. And so that's one of those areas that we see as a challenge is the people who went through the transition and who are on the first year of the contract, sometimes for either a career advancement or perhaps they end up moving on. The people who end up replacing them usually don't have the experience or the qualifications or the skills that would be needed to run this type of a contract. And we do sometimes see that trouble would start in mid-contract. So ultimately, it's very important to keep the focus from year one all the way through year five of the contract. Okay, so I'd like to again thank Patrice. Doug and Clinton for their time here today on this Advice Worth Keeping podcast. Again, you can find the associated PowerPoint related to this discussion on the landing page for the podcast. 
and can also find historical information around KPMG's market research and thought leadership on the state of the real estate and facilities management outsourcing market. Patrice, Doug, Clinton, thank you very much for your time today. Great session. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation. 